Actually, there's a whole list of other things that the enemy tries to package together and put a real pretty bow on it, you know, because it's what we do. We, I believe that we, um, to some degree, hoard our hurts because it's kind of what we identify with. It's what people label us with. It's what we become comfortable with. So tonight we're going to talk about victory and how can we have victory over our defects of character. So before we dive in, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, you know everything about us. And yet even in the middle of our junk, you still provide for us. Just like the song said, you provide honey from a rock. There's nothing that takes you by surprise. And there's nothing you will not use to better creation including providing for, for us from a rock. God, tonight as we move into this message, we ask that you just let us hear exactly what each one of us need to hear from this message. Write it on our hearts. Pierce our hearts so that it changes the way we live, so that everything we do will bring glory and honor to you. We ask all things the precious and holy name of your risen son. Amen. So we're going to go through the acrostic real quick, or quick-ish. So V for victory. V is we voluntarily submit. This means we give God everything we say. We submit to your change. We humble ourselves at the foot of the cross. Remove all of our shortcomings. Now, I don't know about you. This is a pruning process for me that happens quite regularly, and it hurts. I mean, have you ever had somebody, like, step on your toe? Or maybe you've walked around at night, and that pinky toe catches the something, and it tests your religion real quick and your vocabulary? That's how that printing process feels for me. That's the only way I can describe it. I think I'm doing great. Then God's like, ooh, I've got an area that is not bearing fruit, cut. And I'm like, oh, okay, thank you. I think I'm supposed to be grateful, but I'm in pain now. In principle three, we made a decision to turn our lives over to the will of God. And at that point, we became entirely ready to have God remove all of our shortcomings. That's step six. So it is important to understand that in principle five, recovery is a process. Lasting change takes time. So for the remainder of this lesson, understand that we're talking about a process, not a one and done. But we are talking about God taking negatives or areas of our life that does not bear fruit and replace it with things that are positive that are going to change us and also change the world around us. So I, identify the character defects. These are the ones we want to work on first. So when we go through 12-step, I always tell everybody, at the beginning, we fill out a piece of paper that says, give me your name, your number, email, and what you're here for. Many people are like, well, I don't know. I'm here because you told me to be here. Okay, here's my question. What keeps you up at night? I'm like, oh, that's the first thing we're going to work on. God's brought it to the surface. We're going to work on it. So we go back and forth looking at our wrongs and our shortcomings and our sins but we do that in our inventory. 
a safe place within our 12-step groups. We know what the defects of character are that are keeping us up at night. It's our worries, it's our thoughts. Maybe we feel worthless. Maybe we feel that God can't use us. Maybe we feel like if they knew, they wouldn't want me around. And we ask God to remove these thoughts and these pains and these emotions. Proverbs 16.9 says, In his heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. You see, we, we plan to go into 12-step. We plan to support each other. We plan to laugh because we know we're going to cry. I don't know about the men, but the women do. Sometimes we cry about y'all. I'm not going to lie to you. Sometimes we have a good old-fashioned look. I don't like what he did session. And then the rest of us say, well, he probably don't like what you did either. We have, you know, we speak truth and love. But we plan to come together to support each other. It's God that takes us through the process. C, change your mind. You see, when you become a Christian, you're a new creation. You're a brand new person on the inside. The old nature is gone. And I'll stop right here just a second because this is not my note. So actually, we were sitting back there talking and Andre and I were, if you get here early enough, just come and sit down with us because there's no telling what we're going to have a conversation about. It's usually comical and it's about one of our lives being really, really transparent. We were talking about a dry drunk. I'm just going to ask, does anybody in here understand what a dry drunk is? No. Okay. Best way I can describe it. And this is why it fits here with changing your mind. I've had people come into rehabs and they give up whatever it is, but we're going to focus on alcohol right now. And they say, oh, I hadn't done it in a while. I'm good. I'm sober. Are you? You still got the same habits? You still got the same playground? You still got the same playmate? You still got all the same? You're just missing the alcohol? You're a dry drunk. You're just waiting on the next opportunity to drink. And when it happens, you're going to crave it ten times harder because you've done without it. And you're going to binge. It's the same thing with drugs. It's the same thing with gambling. It's the same thing with anything. You don't change all of the situation around it. You're still in it. You're not sober. So we have to change our mind. The old nature has to go away. And sometimes we've got to open the door and kick it out. But we have to let God change and transform us to renew our mind. We say you need 90 meetings in 90 days. Well, that changes a habit. You stop looking to those playmates and playgrounds, you're like, oh, I know there's a meeting tonight. I know I'm going to sit and talk to so-and-so. I know we're going to laugh. I need to check on them. Maybe they're like, I need to check on you. You change the mindset. When this change takes place, you start to see the results. Your responsibility is seen now in how you follow directions from God and not the addiction. Romans 12.2 tells us, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. How many times have you tested something in your recovery? I'm not talking about God. Because, I mean, I've heard many people stand on this stage and say, all right, God, I'm going to give you one chance. And if you change it, if you, you let me see you're doing something, I'm going to give you control. 
like we got to give it to him. All that is is us humbling our hearts, saying, okay, okay God, I'm going to shut up and sit down and let you, you let you take the wheel. But in your recovery, how many times have you said, I don't know, let me test that. That don't sound like what the recovery meeting's telling me I need to do. That don't sound like the pattern I need to keep following. Let me test that. Again, throw Andre under the bus. We were talking earlier, and he was talking about somebody else that he was trying to help mentor through recovery. And he said, you know the big book? I said, yeah, I know it. Do you know the foundation of the big book? The guy goes, well, why I got to read all that? And I love his response. He said, because that means if you don't know it, you ain't got a recovery. There's got to be a foundation to our recovery. And when you get in recovery, you can test what's going on according to God's will in Scripture. T, turn over our character defects. Man, turn them over to Jesus. Sometimes we have relied on our own will for so long that it's actually us that blocks our own recovery. It's actually us that sets up the stumbling block. When we've tried to change our hurts, habits, and hang-ups on our own, I think we can all agree we're unsuccessful. Because if we could get ourselves out of the messes that we got ourselves into, none of us would be sitting here tonight. None of us would need a church. None of us would need a faith family. And there was no reason for Jesus to go to the cross if we're just going to be honest about it. I love when somebody tells me, I got this. And I just kind of look and I'm like, you, you didn't need the blood of Christ? You didn't need that. I, I know I needed it. I need it every day. But you got this? You Okay. When you write that book, I want to be the first one to read it because I ain't got this. James 4.10 says, Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Oh, one day at a time. Recovery is literally one day at a time, one minute at a time, one second at a time. Because we have highs and lows in this journey. And I don't know about you, but my habits, no matter how far I am into this recovery, my own habits can be the hardest hurdles to get over. Someone once said, life by the yard is hard, but life by the inch is a cinch. When we look too far out at what we got to accomplish, I don't know about you, but I get overwhelmed. And I start wearing myself out. I start telling myself why I can't get it done. Matthew 6, 34. So don't be anxious about tomorrow. God will take care of your tomorrows to live one day at a time. R for recovery. Recovery is a process. Once you ask God to remove your character defects, you begin the journey. You find freedom from your past. We're not looking for perfection. We're just looking for a steady pace. That's it. There's going to be stumbling along the way, but that's okay. There's somebody watching you stumble. And the reason they're watching you is they want to know how you get back up because they don't know how to get up yet. So keep that in mind. It's okay to stumble. Be mindful how you get back up. Why? You must choose to change. 
I've been doing 12 step a long time and I can't tell you how many times I'd have somebody in there and ladies, I'm going to throw you under the bus. None of y'all have said this to me, but I've always had somebody say, well, I got to change. I mean, what's wrong with my family? Well, I ain't saying nothing's wrong with your family. But let's be honest. I think most of us can agree. We grew up in a home that was called normal but it was dysfunctionally functional. There wasn't nothing normal to it. So change begins with you. And that's gonna be the change that our generations to come will be impacted by. And I'm not throwing shame. Many of y'all know my, my hard story, like parts of it I don't share in here. I mean, my story, I should have been dead in my 20s, statistically. But I also know that whatever my God says, you can write in stone. So man can say one thing. God is still in control because he's got me here when I was ready to check out. You got to change. You got to make the choice to change. So there is a principle five prayer. And it says this. Dear God, show me your will in working on my shortcomings. Help me not to resist the changes that you've planned for me. I need you to direct my steps. Help me stay in today and not get dragged back into my past or lost in my future. I ask you to give me the power and the wisdom to make the very best I can out of today. You see, principle five says voluntarily submit every change that God wants to make in our lives and humbly ask him to remove our character defects. Step six and seven go with this principle. Step six says we were entirely ready to have God remove all of our character defects. I don't know about you, but there's many times I've been ready. I kicked and screamed like a kingdom toddler along the way. I was ready. I didn't want to do anything. I didn't want any change. I didn't want to have to actually do something. Step seven. We humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. That's when we're like, oh, God, I can't do this no more. You're going to have to do it because I can't. So let's change gears real quick. Let's go to John 5. So hold that thought of the lame man who could not get into the water. Think about how many have seen the movie Shawshank Redemption? Okay. So we have three people. The first man, Andy. He murdered, he murdered his wife and her lover, and he served two decades. The second man, Brooks, he served 55 years. He was coming up for parole, and he feared freedom, and he actually tried to stay in jail. When they released him, he committed suicide. And then you have the third man. And he's my favorite because Morgan Freeman's one of my favorites. He learns the suicide, and I love what he says. He says, there's something funny about these walls. First we hate them, then we get used to them, then we depend on them, we become institutionalized. I want you to think about your own journey, whatever it was, drugs, alcohol, gambling, spending, whatever it was. I'm pretty sure we can agree, first you hated it, probably did things that you swore you'd never do. Got used to it, 
It's just kind of the way life is. I'm gonna roll with it. There's nothing better for me. Depended on it. I know that because I've watched people detox. I have literally been delivering messages when somebody would be sitting on the front that should not have been there because they were detoxing and they could not help losing all bodily control and getting sick everywhere. Becoming institutionalized is not just a jail. It's also our sin, it's our hurts, our hangups, our habits. So now let's go back to the, the scripture. The lame man, was his issue physical, mental, emotional, or spiritual? Would you agree that it was probably all levels at some point? I bet that in every one of our journeys, we have been institutionalized by some kind of sin, physically, mentally, emotionally, verbally, spiritually, and if we're gonna be brutally honest, probably sexually. I can't answer that question for you. That is just something that is between you and God. And to be honest, that's what I love about CR. We deliver a message, but it's ultimately between you and God. As the praise team comes back, I simply say, wherever you're at, whatever you're struggling with, whatever is keeping you from getting in that water, I know a man. And I'll tell you that the day I came home from work and turned the lights off, had a small child, and I sat down in the corner of my room and cried because I was done. I said, you know what? I don't believe in you. Because if you put me on this earth to go through this much pain, it must be because you enjoy it. But if you're real, you're going to have to show me. And I promise you that night is the first night in probably my whole life I ever slept the whole night and woke up with the most peace everywhere. I know a man. So as we go into the altar song, you know the altars are open. But I also know Jesus will meet you where you hit your knees. So if you don't want to come up here, that's fine. But if you need to step out, there's tables back there. Just take time to give him everything you've got so that he can change the character defects so you truly walk in victory. Let's pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, every single day is hard. Every step is hard. Every breath is hard. And that's how the enemy likes it. He likes us locked into this just horrid darkness. But God, there is not a single room where darkness lives and a single crack in that wall or that door where your light pierces and lights up everything. God, I ask that those areas of our life that is just dark, I ask that your light pierce it. Pierce it and shine. Whatever it is the enemy's trying to hold us in shackles to, I pray that those chains are broken. I pray for new mind. I pray for peace like never before. Because God, the battle's still going. And I know every single person sitting here is a kingdom warrior. They 
may not know it just yet. But I know the enemy does. The enemy doesn't want them standing up for you because when they stand up, he knows he's lost control. So God, I pray for the encouragement for every person in here that the enemy has said, sit down. I pray they stand up in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand for our final worship song.